You're listening to Bethany Radio. More content is available on iTunes or online at BethanyBibleLeroy.com. Keegan, you look dried off from last week, right? Well, good morning. It is wonderful to sing. You think of that song that we just sang, that's, we will sing endless praises forevermore. There's a taste of it like an appetizer in here today, and it will be forever. I want to invite you to turn to Romans chapter 11. Romans chapter 11, verse 17 is where we're going to be looking today. A section here of oh, more, than, more than a few verses here, Romans eleven seventeen. Last week, I've got a picture. Is there one in there? Uh, it's in the slides. Nothing in the slides there? Maybe not. We'll catch it up next week if I missed it. It's okay. That one? Oh, it was another one. Uh, check it out. It's in the back row. We'll get to it next week. Don't worry. Weston, you're doing great. You got, we're, sat, we're hearing things. It's good. You're fine. Uh, yeah, last week, Emily Barron. Where are the barons at here? To the, somewhere. I saw them coming. They're back there. They're there. Okay. In there. There. Yeah. So um, Emily had sent this picture in. I'll, I'll get it up maybe next week here. But um, anyway, we were looking the last week at, out at the park and Bales, the Bale offered worship to them or God and Elijah saying, why are you going limping? And this week we come back to our study in Romans chapter 11. By this time you're there, Romans 11. And let's hear from God's Word. I'm going to start in verse 17 and read all the way through 24. Let's listen to what God has to say to us this morning. But if some of the branches were broken off, and you, although a wild olive shoot, were grafted in among the others and now share in the nourishing root of the olive tree, do not be arrogant toward the branches. If you are, remember, it's not you who support the root, but the root that supports you. Then you will say, well, branches were broken off so that I may be grafted in. That is true. They were broken off because of their unbelief. But you stand fast through faith. So do not become proud, but fear. For if God did not spare the natural branches... Neither will he spare you. Note then the kindness and the severity of God. Severity towards those who have fallen, but God's kindness to you, provided you continue in his kindness. Otherwise, you too will be cut off. And even they, if they do not continue in their unbelief, will be grafted in, for God has the power to graft them in again. For if you were cut off from what is by nature a wild olive tree and grafted contrary to nature into a cultivated olive tree, how much more will these, the natural branches, be grafted back into their own olive tree? Let's pray again. Lord, we thank you again for your word before us, for what you are teaching and what you will teach by your spirit in our hearts today. May we worship you. We worship you in song, in prayer. Worship you right now and pray we'd worship as we listen and we lean in to what you would say to our hearts 
through your text here, through, through what is preached here, that the truth of what is taught, the truth of your Scripture would penetrate deeply. And any, any falsehoods, any, any errors on my part as just a man would, would flee. And so, Lord, guide our time again by your Spirit for your glory. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we did have a great time last week out at the lake. It was cooler, wasn't it, out there? That's great. I love it when you can wear a sweater or a sweatshirt in summertime here in Minnesota. Really no bugs. We got to witness, like I said, Keegan's baptism last weekend. Last week I did speak on, on the subject of pride, and we're going to think about pride again this week. Last week, though, it was more in terms of the month of pride, this being really a month of, of worship. And I don't mean worship of the God, the Almighty God, but this worship of self and being true to oneself and doing whatever feels good and then supporting others doing whatever they think is right. And this we talked about this high liturgical month of, of June. That was last week. This week, our focus on pride comes out of Romans 11, what we just read, and it's got maybe even more so personal application to our own lives. Webster's 1828 Dictionary, not so sure about the new ones, but the old one is much better and has, is helpful when we look for definitions. And one at least definition offered in there of pride says this. See if this at all hits home or if this describes pride. It says, defined there, inordinate self-esteem, an unreasonable conceit of one's own superiority in talents, beauty, wealth, accomplishments, rank, or elevation in office, which manifests, manifests itself in lofty airs, distance, reserve, and often in contempt of others. Any of those hit home for any of your own hearts? Pride may be big and boastful and out there, but it may be subtle as well, just a, simply a conversation in your own mind or thoughts of comparison. Well, man, at least I'm not so-and-so. Maybe there's this, as he talks about in this definition, the elevation, this superiority over another. We've been in Romans chapter 9 through 11 here, how inscrutable are God's way, and we're in this greater context of God and what he is doing with Israel, this ancient people of God of whom Paul would say, I'm with them, I'm one of them, they're my fellow brothers in the flesh. And there's this sort of, we've been seeing this back and forth between what Israel had, they had these covenants, they've got adoption, they've got the law, all these things. What the Gentiles did not have, they were in fact not the people of God. But then as we saw and as we see through this, even verses 11 and through 16, the last time we were together here uh, looking at this passage, Israel has trespassed. They, what does that mean that they've trespassed? They've not believed in Jesus as Messiah, as the Son of God. So we learn even before that, Israel sought a righteousness by works, and they did not seek faith in Christ. They did not put their faith in Christ. And so now we see the gospel is coming to the Gentiles, which is great news for them and us. And it's such good news, in fact, 
that it would seem perhaps now the Gentiles are in danger, maybe the same danger as Israel was in terms of getting a big head. And they're being, now we're children, we've chosen children of God. And so Paul, using this figurative language of an olive tree and its branches and this, this, this image here, I think Paul here is ad- mainly addressing the Gentiles. Those are the non-Jewish people. So let's come back to our text, see where it leads us here. Come back to verse 17, and we've got an if statement, an if-then statement. We're going to look at the if, and then we'll look at the then. So if this, then this, kind of that's an if-then statement. Look at verse 17. But if, Paul says, some of the branches were broken off, and you, although a wild olive shoot, were grafted in among the others, and now share in the nourishing root of the olive tree, and we're just going to pause there. Because we want to think about it. It's good for us to try to understand this, this illustration, this metaphor that Paul is using here. It's agricultural. We're talking about trees and branches. We've got an olive tree. We've got a root. A root. I don't know how you pronounce I don't know. I always get wrong which way it is. So bear with me if it's not your way. But there's branches and then there's grafting in of these. They're called the wild olive branches. Most would see Israel being described as the olive tree. This cultivated olive tree would be Israel. Jeremiah 11.16 refers to God once, once calling Israel, in fact, a green olive tree, beautiful with good fruit. Here, Paul says, some of those branches from that olive tree have been broken off. And I think this is referring to, at least in part, to these, this trespass, this stumbling of Israel by their lack of faith, again, in Jesus the Messiah. They've missed Him. Verse 7 calls them hardened. Verse 8, that they've been given by God this spirit of stupor or eyes that would not see. So it's not just an arbitrary breaking off of a, a branch of this olive tree, but we're, as we're going to see in verse 20, it's due to, really to their unbelief. But then the Gentiles here, they're referred to as this, this wild olive shoot. One commentator, coupled, one describes these as a small, so you've got this cultivated olive tree and then this, this wild olive shoot. Describes it as a small, scraggly bush that produces nothing useful. Another saying this wild olive tree was notoriously unfruitful. So here, and this is so important, by God's grace, he takes a foreign and unfruitful branch and inserts it, grafts it in, and I'm not getting into the details, I'm not a grafter, but grafts it into this fruitful olive tree. Now to share, as we see, to share in this, this nourishing root. But my question, maybe you remember my question, I don't know if you do, from the end of verse 16 from last time, because there's a reference there. The root is holy, so are the branches. What is the root here? What's, who is that? What is that referring to? And I think it's so tempting, of course, to consider, and I think rightly, Christ as our root, He's the root of our salvation. But here in the context, still with Christ in mind, not apart from him, but with him in mind, I I believe and most see it this way, that this refers, this root refers to the patriarchs. Who are the patriarchs? That is like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. 
You think of, for, for instance, think of how many times in the Bible as you read along, you think of God going back, there's language of, I'm going to fulfill this promise because of what I promised to the forefathers or to your fathers. And it just, there's kind of this always going back to the fathers. Even back in verse, verse 1 here of this chapter, Paul calls himself an Israelite. And how does he refer to it? He says, I'm a descendant of Abraham. I think there's root language here. Um, so I don't, but I don't think just root is just mere, mere physical descent here. Rather, I think the nourishing root, again, not apart from, but connected to faith in the promised offspring, the promise to Abraham, this promised offspring, even going back to Genesis 3, of Christ. That this tree of Abraham, this fatherhood, looks towards Christ. To help me, one place came across is Galatians chapter 3. I'd like you to turn there. I just want to read the first nine verses. Galatians You're not too far away. Head to the right. Find Galatians chapter 3 and verses 1 through 9. And I think we're trying to say, okay, wait, Abraham is a root here? Fathers? And how does this work with Christ? I think this is helpful here. You can read further in this. You can keep on reading uh, even beyond where we're going to be. But just just look at verses 1 through 9 really just, to, I think, to see this again. So Paul begins, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain? If indeed it was in vain. Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness? Now notice verses 7 through 9. Think of root language. Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the Scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles, by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed, along with Abraham, the man of faith. I think Romans 4, it would also show some of these same things where Abraham, he's the father of us all, in the sense that he is the father, or you, I think you could say the root, by his faith in Christ. And so I think we're on good ground here to see this root, this root, this faith of Abraham and others. Again, not disconnected from Christ, but pointing to him by faith. Okay, let's head back to chapter 11, and let's finish that if statement with a then, the second part Back in verse 18 of Romans 11. So Paul says, do not be arrogant. You know, you could insert kind of this, then, if all this, verse 18, then do not be arrogant toward the branches. If you are, remember, it is not you who support the root, but the root that supports you. So if the root is the root of faith, 
that the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, it's that faith that they had. And Paul notes, it's this root that supports you. It's not the other way around. And Paul anticipates, and probably maybe it's already going on. Think of this. He's right. We're reading a letter to a church in Rome. Perhaps this is already going on in this church in Rome that I think is a mixture of Jew and Gentile. That he anticipates that, that maybe these wild branches, these Gentiles, are tempted to begin to boast. I mean, look at our status. Look at our relevance and our acceptance now. Look at what we've done. I mean, these Jews, they've trespassed. They're, they haven't seen Messiah. Now we have. Now we're more exalted. And, and it's easy. Even easy just either way for a group. The Jews with their covenants, the adoptions, the law, or the Gentiles now grafted in to begin, and how easy for any of us to begin to think of ourselves more highly than we ought to. And so this is a command. It's one of, one of three here. Paul commands, don't be arrogant toward the branches. Arrogance has this idea of boasting. Boasting, one definition about boasting about something by downgrading something else. Or one, one lexicon likens it to a, a gladiator over his defeated foe. This over, this boasting over, this arrogance. So at the heart of pride is that of self and maybe accomplishments that one has done to get himself or herself where they're at. But again, is that, if we know Scripture, is that how grace works? Is grace this sort of accomplishment on our part? Not at all. But pride, pride quickly forgets. It's God. It's His grace. It's His power. It's His work in the lives of sinners like these wild olive branches, these unfruitful branches. Abraham, Abraham himself, he had no boast. He had faith. Israel too was chosen by God, not because of their righteousness. So too the Gentiles, so too us. In fact, unbelief and faith are going to come into view now in these next few verses. Let me start in verse 19 and just edge into verse 20 here where Paul anticipates something. He says in verse 19, then you will say, branches were broken off so that I may be grafted in. And he says, that is true. For the Gentile, it's this logical conclusion. If if branches are broken off so that I am grafted in. Now, you don't see it in your English. There's two letter I's there almost. You could say, so that I, I, it's like this doubling, this, this emphasis here. Then, I mean, if it's I, I, the who, who must I be that I've been grafted in? I mean, this, here's the tree, here's the wild, and now look, I, I'm in this. I'm something special. Paul doesn't argue, at least in the first words of verse 20, he says, yes, they were broken off. You Gentiles, you've been grafted in. And again, verses 11 through 16 explain that to some degree. So Paul says, true enough. But he's going to go on to explain why they were broken off. Look at the, again, verse 20, kind of into it. He says, that is true. They were broken off because of their unbelief. But you stand fast through faith. So at this heart of being broken off, it's none other than unbelief. Think back to the Old Testament 
won't take you long to think of Israel in the Old Testament and their failure to believe God. Even while they were still in Egypt, they disbelieved. They doubted Moses. Remember when their brick quota, when it got increased? They doubted God in the wilderness. They doubted Him as they spied out the land of promise. Psalm 78 says, in part, it says, despite His wonders, that is, despite God's wonders, they, Israel, did not believe. So the ultimate case of unbelief, where does that go? Ultimately, in the scope of biblical history, and continuing in Paul's day, is ultimately this rejection of Messiah, of Christ Jesus, of disbelief, unbelief. And sin issues, and rebellion issues, and branches broken off, they stem from unbelief. But then verse 20, the contrast says the Gentiles stand fast through faith. Leon Morris writes this here. He says, the Gentile believer has no natural superiority over the Jew. He stands in place of the Jew indeed, but this is only because of the mercy of God and of God's saving action in Christ. Branches don't work to get grafted in, but they're fed and they're nourished by the root, to use Paul's metaphor. And the root is that of, being, of having faith in Christ. See it in Abraham and the fathers. And really a root of grace. So look at Paul's admonishment again. It's the last part of verse 20, and then we're going to ease into verse 21. The last part of verse uh, 20, another command, so what? In light of this, do not become proud, but fear. For if God did not spare the natural branches, neither will he spare you. So Paul admonishes, do not become proud, but fear. Faith in Christ, it leaves no room for pride because faith in Christ is what? It's not a work. It's dependent on something or someone, and that is dependent. All our dependence is on Christ. By His grace, we see Him, and we just rest, and we lean on Him for His salvation. It's a gift. Faith is a gift. And faith trusts in God, not in man. In fact, faith is the opposite of works. But I want to ask a question here as we went into verse 21. What about fear here? And what about this threat that Paul gives the issue in verse 21? I mean, if, he says there, if God does not spare the natural branches, what about you who are unnatural? Can one be grafted in and then face the real threat of being broken off? Maybe we're starting to think, and we're starting to question, is salvation then, if we think of that, salvation is being grafted in, is it such a sure thing? And it's, it's a bit of a theme through these last verses here, through this entire kind of last section here. And so I want to address this question. Maybe you can think of other places in Scripture that make salvation or make it seem to sound salvation is conditional on continuing faith. Colossians chapter 1 would speak of our reconciliation to God by Christ's death his resurrection, our being presented holy and blameless before God. You can look it up later. Colossians 1.23, though, says, says if, Paul says in there, if indeed you continue in the faith. And we, and we get to that language. 
And we want to say first, our salvation is ultimately, we know Scripture, it's ultimately the work of God to His glory alone, but it may cause worry. What about if broken off? What about, will my faith continue? How does this work? And when we're asking questions like this, we're in this arena of doctrine and theology called the perseverance of the saints. I want to read to you, even from our own statement of faith, what we believe as a church. And maybe it's, it's helpful, and we'll look at a few other things as well. Here's what it says. It says, all who are justified, that is a, a one momentary declared righteous, all who are justified will win the lifelong fight of faith. They will persevere in faith and never surrender to the enemy of their souls. This perseverance is the promise of the new covenant obtained by the blood of Christ and worked in us by God Himself. And it says this, This God-worked perseverance does not serve to diminish our vigilance, but only to empower and encourage it. One particularly helpful text as we think about these things is another text Paul wrote. Comes from Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 through 13. Listen to the both and, and yet God in his glory through all of it. He says there, therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, Paul says this, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Sounds a little bit like fear. Do not become proud, but fear. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Praise God for verse 13. That was 12. This is 13. Four. Oh man, how do we? We're back on our own. We're going to fail. Paul says work. Do, do stuff. Believe. Continue. There's this, there's this doing. But four, verse 13. For it is, it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for His good pleasure. Worrying saint, you have a worker that is almighty and powerful to bring you to the end. Even when we have the doubts and will I and we should doubt ourselves. We're so fickle. Do not doubt this God who begins a good work and completes it. Here's what Wayne Grudem, seniors, if you're in here, you have the big thick one. You can look, I'm seeing Bo and other. okay, you can look this up. Uh, Wayne Grudem says this, and he makes this distinction here as we think about passages, distinctions of worry and warning, worry and warning. Here's what he says. In all these passages, we're continuing to believe in Christ to the end of our lives is mentioned as one indication of genuine faith. He says the purpose is never to make those who are presently trusting in Christ worry that sometime in the future they might fall away. He says that's not the point. Rather, the purpose is always to warn to warn those who are thinking of falling away or have fallen away, that if they do this, it's a strong indication that they were never saved in the first place. We cannot come to God without His grace, His calling, and continue without His grace. Yet there's warning. There's there's warning to those that might see salvation, and sometimes we could call salvation to see it simply as a get-out-of-jail, get-out-of-hell-free card. That's what it is. So are you a Christian? Are you going to heaven? Oh yeah, I prayed back when I was six and I'm, I'm good. Does it matter how you live? Well, not really. I'm good. I'm, I'm born again. I'm good. You know, and 
there's not this continuing faith and trust. That God works in us, but this faith, trust. It's a warning for that kind of lifestyle that says, I'm in, I'm good, no more fearing, no more, I'm good. I think it's that, that to hear that warning. And so the life of a true believer, it's continuing in faith, not the, for the purpose of worry, but of, of warning. Now, Paul's going to continue, as I said, he's going to continue with this theme. So hopefully now, as we read it, we're a little better prepared. You can look into those things more, perseverance of the saints. But look at verse 22 then. Verse 22, note then the kindness and severity of God. Severity toward those who have fallen, but God's kindness to you, provided you continue in his kindness. Otherwise, you too will be cut off. And again, I think this fits in line with Paul. Back to Philippians, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Not a fear of being in and out of God's grace, but this a healthy fear, a lifelong fearing God, persevering by God's grace, reverence to Him as God, seeking Him through His Word, reading all of it. Convicted this week, hearing of someone else, says, how can you, Harrison was sharing with somebody he was listening to, just how can you live on such little of the Word in your life? It's convicting to me. We don't, we don't eat that way. We live on daily. We need food. How can we live with so little time to hear God? We need to hear him. But I think could we not say even just this warning here is meant even to humble those who are proud and arrogant? That's Paul's aim here. He seems to be noting here God's kindness and severity, not just for Israel, but now the Gentile as well. God has been. He's been gracious. He's been kind to you. You're grafted in by his grace. Don't take the kindness in vain or... Just as an endorsement, oh, God is kind, do whatever you want, it's okay. Take it, like our statement of faith says, take it as motivation. He's been so kind and gracious and motivating to continue. Continue in this root as a grafted branch. All right, verses 23 through 24, let's look at them together. Lastly, he says, and even they... Who's they? These broken off ones. Even they, if they do not continue in their unbelief, will be grafted in for God. God has the power to graft them in again. For if you were cut off from what is by nature a wild olive tree and grafted contrary to nature into a cultivated olive tree, how much more will these, the natural branches, be grafted back into their own olive tree? And here again, I think it's good to keep in mind this aspect of there's this physical, ethnic people of God, this Israel, them being in a sense cut off. I don't, I don't think the image is one of they've got salvation and then not, and then oop, wait, then they're saved, oops, no, they're not, and this kind of cutting off and in. Rather, I think it's those of unbelieving Israel. They could say, well, we're part of this olive tree. Yes, that's true, physically, but through unbelief, they're cut off. They're not part of the real root and the real tree and the real olive tree of faith rooted in Abraham, whose faith looked forward and whose faith, Jesus says, John eight fifty six. Jesus says, Abraham saw my day and was glad. Doug Moo writes here, he says, it is not the logic of nature, though, now thinking of what God is doing. He says, it's not the logic of nature 
that explains this regrafting. This branch broken off, regrafted in this true olive tree faith, we could say. He says, but it's the, the theologic of the God who gives life to the dead and calls things that do not exist as if they did. That's from Romans 4. And then going back even further, it's God who's the power of God that it's work in the gospel. God is not finished with his people, no matter Jew or Gentile. Those he will call. It can be from the nations, the Gentiles, or from the olive tree of Israel. He has the power. And that gives us hope for those that we think, where are they? It's not our power. Speak truth. Pray. God has the power to do this, and it's his alone. I want to read one more quote from Doug Moo. I love that name, Doug Moo. It is M-O-O. Again, the poor guy growing up, but he's been helpful as we, as we move along. Uh, one more aspect, because I think he helpfully, he's going to sum up this section. He's going to help us, I think, understand what's the relationship now, Jew, Gentile, Jew, Christian, Israel, the church, post-Christ, death and resurrection. Hopefully you'll find this helpful. He says, the basic point of the metaphor, that's what we've been studying, this olive tree branches. The basic point is that there is only one olive tree whose roots are firmly planted in Old Testament soil and whose branches include both Jews and Gentiles. This olive tree represents the true people of God. The turn of the ages at the coming of Christ brought an important development in the people of God. The object of one's faith became clearer and more specific, and the ethnic makeup of that people changed radically as God extended his grace in vastly increased measure to Gentiles. He says, but Paul's metaphor warns us now, warns us not to view this transition as a transition from one people of God to another. Gentiles who come to Christ become part of that community of salvation founded on God's promises to the patriarchs. And Messianic Jews, those that are believing in Christ, following in the footsteps of their believing ancestors, belong to the same community. I would say the church. It's this community of faith, those chosen by grace, by God's power, whether Gentile or Jew, chosen by grace to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. As we close, I recognize on Father's Day, this is not a Father's Day sermon per se, but dads and others listening, three really brief statements to you, dads, today by way of application. Number one, do not be proud. It's Paul's command, do not be proud. Paul asks in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7, he says, what do you have? Say, what do you have, Dad, that you did not receive? Receive from the Lord. So beware of boasting. Beware of pride in your own heart. What do you have that God has not graciously given in his kindness toward you? Number two, so do not be proud. Number two, fear God. The the fear of of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So honor God in your heart. Honor God. We've talked about it in our men's group. Honor God in your home in your private places. Honor your God at your work, which may increasingly be very hard to do. Continue 
Dad, to walk by faith. Persevere, though you are weak. Remember, Jesus paid it all. Isn't that great song we sing? And in the strength of God, set your eyes fixed on Jesus Christ. So, do not be proud. Fear God. Number three, trust in God's power. God has this power to graft in. Dad, others, trust in God's power. To you, Dad, today, do not trust in your chariots that will rust, especially in Minnesota. Do not trust in the work of your hands. Do not trust in your success. Psalm 112, verse 7 says this. It's from the reading of today. Here's the righteous man. Here's what it says of the righteous man. He is not afraid of bad news. What a great line. The righteous man, he is not afraid of bad news. His heart is firm. How? How can a dad's heart be firm in the midst of bad news? Psalm 112, verse 7 says, His heart is firm, trusting in the Lord. Let's pray. It is to your glory alone, Lord, that we have a mountain of promises in your word that point us back to your power at work in our lives. And in the midst of hearing bad news, our hearts can be firm when they trust in you. Forgive us when they have not. And Lord, when we have become proud, beginning to trust in whatever it is, whatever chariots, success, family, things we think we have done that we have only just received from you, being vessels just of your mercy and grace, forgive us and lead us, Lord. Keep us from the pride that would be, would be a tree in a sense that grows quicker and it grows in a drought. Lord, help us to cut off those trees and rest in our grafting in this tree of faith, the faith that Abraham believed you. He believed your promises and you counted it to him as righteousness. May you persevere us in the faith. May we continue today, today, not looking back today, trusting in you, Christ, for our salvation and for an eternity with you and for your strength that you will provide day by day as we seek to live for you. We commit this and pray for this in the name of Jesus. Amen. You've been listening to Bethany Radio, a production of Bethany Bible Church in Leroy, Minnesota.